Sean Watson making his return to the NFL. Wasn't pretty. Rusty in his performance. All that matters for the Cleveland Browns is they get the win here in week 13. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British House. Episode 155, the Texans fall 27-14 in the return of Deshaun Watson. It was all a bit strange, but the game, the result, and oddly the scoreline didn't quite articulate the difference between the two teams. But a regular guest joining again uh, this week. Uh, Mr. Landry Locker from Radio 610, The Locker Room, Camp Trade Podcast, all good things. How you doing, man, right? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh, flying to Dallas on Thursday, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, okay. So, yeah, a bit later in the season. 17-point spread. 17-point spread. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if, uh, I've got absolutely zero expectations for even watching much of it, but we'll see if we'll have a few beers and have a good time, and I think that's all you can do this year. <laughs> Yeah, and I, th- I thought that was a really cool thing about yesterday. I actually took this one in as a fan, um, sure. and it's the first time I've sat in the stands in a long time, like a long, like at least over a half decade. And it was good to go to a game that people seem to care about, um, and I, I just really enjoyed that. And I want to get that back to where you know we get to you know people are talking about the game on Sunday, and there's not you know too much pessimism. I, I, it was. Uh, it was fun. It was fun to go to the game that that a lot of people cared about, and that's that's where they need to get eventually. They need to get to where you know there's there's some excitement. It's not all apathy. It's not all almost like being apologetic for you know taking a few hours of your uh, out of your Sunday to be there. So I did enjoy that. It was fun yesterday, I, and I that's that's really just the mindset you have to have because I don't I don't know when the next time we'll have a game like that will be where there's just that much hope, that much positivity. Not that many fans just wanting to be at the game. Yeah, what was the sort of general atmosphere, the tailgate in the stands like? How would you how would you describe it? Yeah, the tailgating was was really good. It was as good as it's been all year. Um, there were a lot of Browns fans. They kind of seemed like they were a little bit. Um, I don't want to say awkward, but they were they were a little bit tense. Uh, and and you could tell that this was the game that Texans fans had marked on on their calendar um, and everybody was having a good time. Everybody was uh, excited, uh, skeptical, but there was some hope early on. Yeah. And what did you make of seeing Watson out there in another uniform? It's kind of strange, you think, from when you drafted him to sort of kind of being like the saviour of the franchise relevancy. He came around so quick, it departed as quick. Obviously, there's all these terrible circumstances off the field and all that kind of stuff. But what, how did you sort of take it in and sort of process it as you're looking at it now? It was weird. Um, it wasn't as weird as I thought it would be just because I guess there was so much of a layoff, you know, like it, yeah. it, it's just been exhausting the whole process uh, and how long it had been, but it was, it was definitely weird, but, but I think, you know, it had like, had they been able to trade him two years ago and then immediately he'd be out there, it might've been weirder, but there's just so much buildup and there's so much like already acceptance that it's happened that it was weird, but not as weird as I thought it would be. Yeah. I thought it, a couple of observations. One was just the fact that he was throwing balls in the dirt pretty regularly. Terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so 230 million right now is looking more Russell Wilson than it is or Pat Mahomes, but we'll see. Um, yeah, we will see. And I do think that's a possibility that, you know, maybe we've seen the best of Deshaun. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't think this year really matters. Um, I think he's just going to, you know, try to shake the rust off and then it'll be the full season. But, 
I mean, I wouldn't have predicted that Russell Wilson would have fallen off the way he did too. So, you know, given the fact that there's going to be a mental hurdle that Deshaun's going to have to overcome that I don't think is going away, being the most hated guy in the stadium for the first time, uh, for reasons outside of just wearing the opposing uniform, I don't think it's that simple. Um, and uh, just all the the new system and all that type of stuff. I think it. I think it will be interesting to see how he uh, how he reacts. And maybe we have seen. Maybe maybe the Texans. That's as good as it gets for Deshaun in the NFL, which I think a lot of people would be okay with. Yeah, I suppose you can't underestimate like the. And obviously, you can't compare to the alleged kind of victims of what he's kind of potentially impacted these people. But in terms of like the mental toll that would take on an individual, right or wrongly, if you you know whatever position they felt they were unjustly um, being persecuted or not, but it, it would take a huge toll out. You know, I think the game's so mental at that position, so cognitive that um, it may it may grind on him a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, he's used to being the you know the most praised guy. Now he's like the most hated guy, uh, and there's a lot of smoke there. Um, you know, his own actions caused that, so that's that. But it's it does got to be a little bit, at least a little bit different for him. And who yeah. knows? I mean, maybe maybe he shakes it off, and maybe he goes out there and does his thing. But it's definitely a different thing, and I'm sure that it has to impact you in some way, shape, or form. You know? I thought when it cut to his box with his um, his Instagram other half, and like all wearing Browns four jerseys in Houston, kind of some of his language, body language, mannerisms, facial expressions, and stuff. It kind of cut a figure that I don't necessarily remember or equate to. And obviously there was a lot more good under the surface. But did you ever kind of have any, like, you know, the, the public public persona didn't, didn't quite pass the eye test when you kind of saw it a little bit to the side? Or did you did you just kind of, was it much of a shock to you? Or did, or did you kind of see a little bit of that in him over the time? I mean, I think there were definitely, uh, there were hints that he's a freak. Um, I mean, like, but, but nothing like you know, illegal. I mean, he had the the video of Mia Khalifa in the, uh, oh, yeah. the porn star. She put that up. We kind of just browsed through that. Uh, I heard whispers that, you know, he liked, I mean, he was kind of a freaky dude, uh, you know, like as far as just, you know, chasing, you know, women and stuff. But I didn't, you know, as far as like, you know, doing anything illegal or anything like that. No, nah, I, I mean, I was... I, I was surprised. I was the, I mean, that was the opposite of the brand. You know, we're not, we're not talking about a guy who, you know, just went about his business and stuff. I mean, he wrote a book basically telling you how to be a better person. Yeah. Like, so it's, you know, and, and I never heard anyone say anything bad about him. It was, it was the complete opposite. So yeah, were there signs that maybe he liked to get a little kinky in the bedroom and stuff like that and, you know, holler at porn stars and whatnot. Yeah. But not nah, like, as far as like the, you know, the other stuff. No, I mean, I didn't, I, th yeah. there was, there was nothing there for me to even like think about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because you kind of see these guys and it's like a managed persona and there's people managing it for them. And then you always think there is always something under the surface. And I suppose he, he probably never publicly let it let it out at all or anything. But yeah, I just thought the way they kind of acted was kind of brazen to considering the circumstances, considering he was back at the team draft. And what did you make of the small clip? I think it was Albert Breer put out where uh, Hannah turned her back on him as he went and shake the cat. I thought it was quite interesting observational yeah. moment. You don't want to get on Hannah's bad side. I'm a big fan of uh, I'm a big fan of Hannah. I think she's a good uh, she's a good you know cancel balance with Cal, and I feel like she's been a little more active. But um, she's a badass man. Like Hannah, Hannah's no nonsense. I don't think you want to get on her bad side, and I don't think you know. I think some people can fake it and say, "Hey, what's up?" and do the handshake type of thing. She's just not really one of those people. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, she's uh, <laughs> she's she's kind of like made some some jokes to me in the past. It's kind of it's kind of like funny, just like oh, I heard what you said yesterday, type of thing. But mm. but like yeah, like she's just not someone that you want to that you want to get on her bad side. And I thought, I mean, I thought a lot of, I actually think her approval rating went up. I think a lot of fans were kind of uh, happy that she kind of uh, stood up for him. So I wasn't surprised. Uh, and I think she's a good, she's, she's a good like counter to Cal's personality, which is a little bit more, you know, non-controversial, quiet, all that type of stuff. And uh, yeah. it, it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's any doubt that she's kind of, been a driver of some of the changes or certainly some of the impetus of trying to do things differently as a ball club and I think it, it seemed like it was going really positive in the, of the off season, you know, flipping burgers, doing haircuts and all this stuff you know, getting it nice and then the PR job and I said that to Omar this week, I said that you know the PR staff did a really good job and they have done um, to try and, you know, it's not easy when the when the on-field products this, uh, this difficult. Yeah. They're awesome like the PR staff is done an excellent job there have been times where um especially when jack was here if he would have just listened to the pr and let them do their job i think there would have been a little bit more damage control uh with some of the silliness that went on uh the no numbers on the roster you know some some of the other things that that went down but yeah they their job's not easy they allow us to do our job uh we're the flagship and we can criticize them as much as we want i'm, I'm probably like as close to the biggest loud mouth up there so uh, they don't, uh, you know, they, they, they're very understanding. And at the end of the day, like we all want the same thing, man. Like you think I enjoy covering teams that win four games. You think, you think I enjoy going to stadiums where 30% of the seats are full and no one gives a damn about the games. No, I, I want, you know, I want the 2011, 2012, um, I guess even like 2018, 2019 to a certain point, um, 2017, uh, when Deshaun was a rookie, I want that, and and we all want the same thing. And I think they understand that. I think they understand a lot of the criticism is valid, um, and they do a they do a really good job uh, of doing what they do, no doubt. And it's not easy. It's damn sure not easy. They, they I can't imagine, like especially the last, you know, really before the trade. I can't I can't even imagine um, yeah. how hard that job is. And I got the utmost respect for it. I damn sure couldn't do it. So. So no. I've got nothing but respect for Omar uh, and his entire staff. Yeah, no, they do a good job. And I think it, it's, um, it, it all seemed like it was going really well. I, I, I'm struggling to see, and I think the coaching staff take a lot of blame on this, but post the bye, you had the week in Vegas. And ever since then, the wheel, and obviously the, the Thursday night football um, was okay. And it was, it was reasonable. You know, the, there's a talent, a golfing talent. Everyone's aware of that. It's obvious. Um, but it just feels like the last sort of four or five weeks, the wheels have really fallen off. And I think it's a multitude of things. I think it's bad coaching, lack of talent. Uh, you know, the season grinds you. You're playing a lot of young guys, all this kind of stuff. But is there anything you kind of put it down to, particularly if you've witnessed or just watched on on the field? I think you listed it all. I think I think they're very poorly coached, and I think they they have a talent gap. But I mean. That, that should be expected when you have $75 million of dead cap. You got some young guys. Uh, the older guys are really just guys. But I think they're, I think they're poorly coached, uh, specifically on offense. I think it's one of the worst. I mean, it's probably the worst offense I've ever watched. Um, and we've seen some bad ones. We've, we've, had the, uh, we've had the misery of watching them. I think it's a very bad offense, uh, offensive coach. I don't, think it's, I don't think the defense coaching is that good either i think cleveland kind of helped them out yesterday helped them look a little bit better um and i just think it's a combination of all that the the players the coaching um and that's that's why we're looking yeah. at 
you know, worst team in the league right now. I take it this will be Pep's last uh, stop at calling plays in the Should league. Should have been his last play call on that fourth down to Harrison, man. I mean, oh yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I was in the front row over there um, in that end zone, and I mean, immediately when they got to the three, it was run it four times. Like that's not even like a, a second guess. And after the first throw, there's booze. What are you doing? And the second throw, there's booze. What are you doing? Then they hand it to Dari. It's like what? Mm. And then Pierce did you think, okay, well, Pierce is going to have one play to get it, and you do it again. Like, it was just – it was just – that was really, really bad. That yeah. was, that was, was even, bad. Even on the, the first drive, and uh, he uh, – it was – there was two flags back-to-back, so they went – they backed up first and 30. And he Brevin ran two, Jordan, what are you doing? And then he ran – then he ran two draw plays back-to-back on first and 30, and then second and 26 or something. And they he, throw fade. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and then he forced Brevin Jordan out there as well after being inactive last week. Which um, was OJ. weird. Like, he yeah. was, like, the go-to guy. Like, it's like, y'all like him or not? I can't tell. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably what the frustration is in this season because, like, it was never going to be we- measured in wins and losses. Like, that was not – they're not good enough to even come into that kind of conversation. But it, it was going to be about development. And I think if you look back on the season – with any level of regret, it'll be the coaches which he entrusted to develop these young guys. They haven't done that. Guys have been up and down. I think Petrie had probably one of his better games. Um, you know, Kenyon struggles are well documented. Um, but I think, you know, it was a big risk handing these young guys over this coaching staff. And I think, you know, it might, you know, even if you clear house, that might impact these guys into the, the, this coming upcoming season as well. Yeah, it could, or it could be a positive. You know, there's some there's some coaches, some first year coaches that have done uh, very well for themselves this year. Um, I don't think the Texans had you know a shot at getting those guys, and I don't think those guys would have had that type of success with this roster. But you know, if you can get if you can get the right coach in here, it's it's not against the law to coach up you know players in the NFL, and that's the uh, that's the thing. You know, the next time they make a coaching hire. Hopefully they're, you know, finding a guy that they believe is a long-term guy, and hopefully he has, you know, Brian Dable type of impact or, a, you know, Mike McDaniel or Kevin O'Connell type of impact. And that's – hopefully we're talking about, you know, those types of, types of guys when they make that decision. And, you know, it's going to be the – it looks like it'll probably be the third coaching search uh, in as many years, and hopefully it's a little bit different because you have better assets. Uh, the Watson trade is behind you. and it's urgent. Like you can't, if, if Nick Casario fails with this one, it's going to be the last coach that he hires, uh, assuming that he's the guy that gets to make that call. Yeah. I think, do you think they're in a position to like, I know that, that I mean, it's been well documented that, you know, many people have all said that is the last two coaches were, you know, um, thrust upon him if, if, for one way to put it. Do you think they're in the position of all the, all the kind of shit that's gone on around this club? Do you think they're in a position to attract a quality candidate that's going to really, truly elevate a squad that's going to take a couple of years to build back? I think I think that this appealing job, if you just look at the assets, if you just look at the assets, you look at the division, the division, I mean, it, <laughs> look, at all, look at all the scores of the AFC South games yesterday. I mean, the Texans were actually the closest uh, when it comes to, I'm not giving like some sort of moral victory. I'm just saying, you know, the Cowboys lost by 35. Jacksonville got thumped. Uh, or the Cowboys won by 35 over Indianapolis. Jacksonville got thumped. Uh, Tennessee got thumped. Like, all these teams got beat down. So, it's not like it's a really tough division. Um, and you're going to have likely the number one pick. You're going to have four first-round picks. 
uh, in the next couple of years. You're going to have more cap space. You're going to have the the dead cap. I think just from a if it's not an appealing job, then that's that's a bigger problem because that would say something about the organization and that would say something about Nick Casario. But as far as just the assets, I think it's a very appealing job. Yeah, I suppose it's yeah. If you if you can convince a coach that they can redefine the the franchise with it, that first pick just before you get onto any kind of draft and stuff. Do you think people want to work for Casario? I know it's kind of like oh, we came from New England, loads of rings, worked under Bill Belichick. But I mean, I'm, I, I've never been convinced by him, and I, I want to be. As you said, we all want the same thing. I want this kid to get back successful and stuff to mean. Uh, something on a Sunday, not that you're happy to go and get another beer or miss a play because you, you, it just you know those days feel like a long time ago now. Um, but do you think Casario's in a position to attract guys? Because I'm I'm critical of the job he's done, and as you said, I think it's the time is now. Um, the clock's ticking. But um, what do you think of, of Nick and? Well, I would hope so. Uh, I don't know. Um, I I I mean, I think it's going to depend on. Um, who we're talking about, where it's from. I, I am interested. I think people respect Nick around the league, I, I would think, but it's one thing to respect someone. It's another thing to want to work for him. Um, I do wonder, I think it's a little bit easier with Easterby out, but I mean, that's going to be the million dollar question. Like what's, what's the search? Does he already have someone in, in mind? Um, is he going to be allowed to do it? I have, I mean, I think it's healthy skepticism that you have. I think it's healthy skepticism. I can't unequivocally say yes. Uh, so, so that should, that should answer your question. Yeah. Cause I, I always ask people, tell me one thing that he's taken from A to B in the first two years that's transformationally better. Um, I don't think he's a good negotiator. Um, I think we've seen that a no. number of times. I don't think yeah, he's a good so. cap specialist or manager or, or accountant or, or does have that element. Um, he gives, you know, these wordful answers that I'm sure you all guys are trying to, <laughs> trying oh, to break God. down, trying to well, get me started, you know, man. I've been saying that too much. Yeah, since he, the since the word on. soup that he spills out everywhere. So like, you know, I think, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I've, I'm waiting to see if he drafts a star this year, then the whole thing flip it's, it flips the whole thing on its head. And is Bryce Young that potential star, Andrew? What do you think? I think so. I mean, I think look at, at this point, if if they, they they need something, man. Like, and I know I know this isn't like a good mindset to have, but they need something to get fans excited. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I think Bryce Young is going to be good. Uh, I know the size is going to come up, but I mean, he's already a star. He's got the dark pepper commercials. He's got all this stuff. Um, I think, I think he, could, I think he's the guy that I would go with and just hope that he figures it out. And the other thing is you have all these draft picks. Uh, it's not like you're going to, you're not Seattle, you're not um, Denver where you're trading your future to get the guy. Um, even if it doesn't work out, look at the Jets right now. The Jets are still competing for a playoff spot, and they missed on Zach Wilson. And, and they were in a similar situation where they had a bunch of draft picks. They built a pretty good roster. They brought in a good coach. Uh, and if it doesn't work out with Zach Wilson, it's not the end of the year uh, or, or the end of the world for them. And now, Denver, it doesn't work out with Russell Wilson. It is. But I think the Texans are kind of in a similar situation. And I don't think Nick Casario should be the one – you know, to draft someone because the fans need excitement because um, he he's just got to do what he thinks is best football wise. But I, I do think at this point we're in a situation where they need some sort of excitement. They need something to look forward to and they need they need some quarterback. They, they need a QB. Period. Just like on a, ta- a 
pure talent, uh, talent standpoint, rather, <laughs> is uh, do you think Young justifies that one-one pick? Do you think he's as, as good as that? I, I think so. Um, I mean, I'm interested to see what, you know, the scouts will say. It's very obvious what they're going to say. They're going to talk about his height. I've just never watched him and said, you know, that guy looks, you know, short or he's having like some sort of um, problem, some shortcomings um, playing. I just don't, I, you know, uh, he's running O'Brien's offense. Uh, I mean, he's been the chosen one since he was in middle, uh, middle school. He got the scholarship offer when you know, I think he was in like sixth or seventh grade. Um, he's got the pedigree. Uh, he can make all the throws. He can move. I think he does a good job protecting himself. Uh, you know, he doesn't take when, when he senses, you know, that there's going to be some potential trouble. He knows how to get down. Um, kind of like Kyler Murray, like Kyler Murray's pretty good at that too. Uh, and that's probably the, the example they'll use. So yeah, I do. I do think he justifies that one, one. And if you don't like him, I think trading is the other, the second best option because, it, someone's going to like a quarterback and whether it's Detroit, whether it's whoever, one of these teams that have, you know, two first round picks, if you want to make that move, you can go ahead and make that move and, you know, stack things up even more. But I think, you know, that the possibility of bringing in Bryce Young, uh, I think it's something that they need to strongly consider. And I would, I would be on board with it. We need something like that. If um, Casario picks up the phone to Bill O'Brien, what do you think he's, um, what do you think he's, uh, critique or or, uh, or or summation of Bryce as the the guy um, what do you, do you think O'Brien would have vouched for him do you think there's that there I mean I don't think it's hard to see O'Brien have vouched for many guys that, um, that yeah. are smart tough dependable but do you think he falls into the you know the past the test for the New England viewpoint I think so I think uh, I think Bill O'Brien will have a lot of good things to say about Bryce Young um, I wonder what Bill O'Brien has to say to Bryce Bryce Young about the Texans uh, at this point. I know Easterby's gone, and Easterby was kind of the guy who um, would he he throw O'Brien under the bus after O'Brien left. But I, I do wonder what tech what Bill O'Brien would say about you know Cal Hannah and stuff. And I actually think it would be good. I, I I think there would be I think he would have some good things to say. But that's that's the more intriguing conversation for me is what is O'Brien telling Bryce Young about the Texans? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I suppose they gave they gave Bill a chance here, and he. Arguably, got an extension when he did deserve it. So you'd you'd like to hope he'd be at least semi positive. But um, you'd hope you'd like to hope. Yeah, you can never <laughs> never take Bill. I'm sure he'd be a great guy to have a beer with. But um, yeah, I didn't want to coach the football team after 2018. I think that should have been the end of it. However, the trade back option. I always think when I think was it, and you you'll probably have a better knowledge of this than me, Landry. But my memory of it, uh, the the clowny draft, Rick Smith almost did a deal with Atlanta for them to come up, and they, he wanted like two first and two seconds or something like that. But if yeah. somebody was to offer you that because it's a quarterback, um, do you think the the opportunity cost of taking that versus taking Bryce Young might tempt Casario to do that? Yeah, I could see Casario being very, very fond of trading back. And, and honestly, I mean, if you have six first-round picks or whatever in two-year span, I mean, that's that's prime, prime, prime. Now, who would the quarterback be? We'd probably be talking about a lot of veterans and stuff like that. Would it be Garoppolo? Uh, could it be Ryan Tannehill? Could it be, um, I don't know, Derek Carr? Uh, I don't know. Uh, could it be? Could you get a quarterback? You know, later on, do they? I, I know Richardson just declared Levis. Like, there's all these these guys that are also in the, in the first round, but man, like the, the price is going to be high. I, I don't think Jacksonville could have given away 
the first, the number one pick last year. This year, that's not going to be the case. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to fall in love. Someone's going to fall in love with these quarterbacks, one of them, and there will be an opportunity. So, you know, it, it, I don't know how exciting fans would get. I don't think fans are as, like, nerdy as maybe me, you, or the guys that, you know, follow this football team no matter what. So I don't know that I, it, it would be a tough sales pitch for the fan base, I think. Um, we talked about that PR, uh, but it, it you might be able to make a case that it is the best football decision if they're able to do that, if they're willing to do that. And I think it's an intriguing option. I think there's going to be a really, really hefty price for it. Yeah. What do you think will define Casario's tenure more, the next head coach or this first overall pick and what he does with it? I think it's going to be the next head coach because um, if the if the next head coach can you know get the most of his squad and, and coach him up, then you're not going to be too dependent on the number one pick. Now they could both be good and they could both benefit each other, but you know if he makes if he makes a bad hire, uh, a bad coaching hire, they can they can ruin number one picks. They can break you know draft picks. So I think I think the next head coach is going to be the most important thing, um, and then this number one. One pick's going to be, you know, right up there with it. And I wonder if, you know, if, if these two things are going to be connected where, yeah. you know, you're going to take a quarterback, so you're going to take the offensive guy. That's something else to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think so. I think you'll, they'll kind of show their hand a little bit, and I think it'll even, maybe even jack up the price a little bit of if, if for another team want to come up if they take a young offensive coach who's been sold on the prospect of uh, – of you know potentially picking the next star, and if he's sold on that, that's probably why he's there. And then, uh, and then I suppose it, it can all fall from there. But we'll see. I think it's, that, that's probably the most interesting shit that we're talking about this right now at the stage of the off season or the, I mean, or the actual we've regular got five season. weeks left. But yeah. you know, you know what we um, need. Um, any non Bryce Young, uh, non quarterback players because the CJ Stroud Bryce Young stuff will be done in the off season. But is there any guys you're a UT guy, a Bijan fan? Uh, any yeah. other guys that you, you think desperately the Texans could pick up in the first and uh, maybe Bryce Young plus you know who else? New Jersey next year, freshening the whole thing up. They need a receiver, uh, and I think I think they need I think they need to get another running back with Pierce. Uh, and I'm I'm a big proponent. I don't mind drafting running backs in the late first round i know they only last you know a few years and then they hold out but i would be you know especially with that you know first pick in the second round or whatever i think you got to be looking at some of the receivers you got to be looking at some of the running backs obviously will anderson and carter will be the guys if it's not the uh not the uh the quarterback but man i'm i'm a big fan of the running backs in this draft uh it's going to be a very very deep running back class the receivers are going to be really interesting. Uh, Wenda Smith and Jigba go. Uh, Johnston from TCU, a lot of people high on him. I think Mims is going to be kind of a steal out of Oklahoma. Uh, he didn't really get a chance to showcase himself this year because they had bad quarterback play. I think Mims is going to be really good. There's a lot of really good receivers. There's a lot of good running backs. I, I think they, especially if they take the quarterback, they need to they need to just go all in on you know the offense. Like This needs to be an offensive draft. Like Just just make the offense better. You you went defense heavy last uh, last season. Um, there's a lot of intrigue there, and that's why I, I feel they made an even bigger mistake not trading Brandon Cooks for the second round pick yeah. they could have got from the Cowboys because you're talking two ones, two twos. I mean, you could you could do wonders uh, on offense with that, just absolute wonders. And they kind of they kind of screwed that up. It appears, depending on what 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 happens with Cooks after the year. 
Yeah, but I think when everybody knows you're shopping, a guy doesn't want to be there. You kind of lose, you lose a, your kind of leverage or kind of. Well, yeah, I'm sick of people talking. Yeah, about the ability leverage. to play hardball, you kind of goes away. You know, like yeah, that's yeah, that's what's it, fun. It's just like selective hardball. It's like you got to take it on the chin, man. Like you, if if they're gonna give you a second round pick, even if you have to eat some of the salary, you got to eat it, man. Your your culture guy doesn't want to be here, and. Yeah. uh Unfortunately, they didn't. So we'll see. We'll see what the uh, what the price will be for Cooks. I fear it's going to be similar to what Amari Cooper went for for the Browns, like fifth round pick type of mm. thing. And I just don't see how you're going to get that much more salary relief um, than you were expecting. Who knows? It's not a great free agent wide receiver class, but I think wide receiver is. I, I think they like they were open to drafting a wide receiver last year. Um, and I do wonder if that was the initial plan when they traded back. But now that Cooks is going to be most likely gone, they're definitely going to have to get a receiver in one of those one of those first uh, thirty-two picks. Yeah, no, I think that I think that that series of events has probably been people that were kind of like you know Casario believers, whatever you want to call them, all these phrases that people are trying to t- associate themselves with on various online platforms. But if you think if you think of that was your first big deal. You signed an extension to within a matter of months. The guys wanting out. You get offered more than fair value for a trade. You somehow managed to mess the whole thing up, and uh, and now you get you know significantly less for you know one of a small handful of players that you could actually get some capital for, um, because ultimately it's reinvesting. Anybody that's going to be good in two years' time doesn't really mean that much to you. You're looking for three and four year window kind of guys before this makes sense again, but. Um, Landry, what's your, uh, your your timelines of when, you know, when this will be good again, when we can sit, sit here and talk about, like, like actual plays that made sense, you know, the moments, players, you know, like all the good stuff that you, like, you love about the sport that, that was kind of being taken away from us. When do you think that'll be back? I, I mean, it could be soon. I mean, if you, if they, if they have a good off season and they're going to have all this free agent money and you have a good draft, like, it could be soon. I mean, it could be a lot sooner than we'd expect. There are some... You know, there are some young guys on the squad uh, that are going to be contributing, uh, you know, for the for the future. I mean, it, we could be looking at two years. I mean, and I don't think it'll be as bad next year as it is this year. If it is, good Lord. Uh, God. I, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, but, I, you know, it could be a couple of years. It's really just going to be how Casero uses these assets and how really what, what coach they get hired. I'll have a much better grasp once we see like the list of coaches that maybe he goes after. Uh, if they bring back Lovey, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what we're trying to do at that point if we do that, but I would, I, two years with the, with the right drafting. I think the Jets are kind of a team to look at uh, when it comes to that. Yeah, I suppose the one thing they haven't done, arguably, is get the quarterback right. The rest of the rosters have been pretty rosy reasonably quickly. And I, I kind of was reflecting on the weekend a little bit, Landry. I don't know what your thoughts on this was, but when you know when you watch the Browns there, we played the Jets, um, we played the Raiders, um, Eagles to a less extent, but we've played a number of teams this year at Washington. Um, I don't think they're that good. You know, and I think like the, there's like four or five teams max in the league that are genuinely good, well-run high quality outfits you've got like a you know huge sort of middle section you've got to go a lower tier than you got us I think we're in a tier of our own this year we're that bad but like to get up into that sort of like wild card kind of area yeah you could, I think you could do that in two years and you the Giants know. are the team that I look at you know yeah. right now I mean there's there's a lot of teams you can look at the Giants right now I, I think Brian Dable has coached them above what they are and I don't think too many people sense that that was going to be the case 
and, and that's where you can get, you know, if you get the right coach, you can coach it up. Um, that's really the example. I think they're, we're going to see kind of dwindle away a little bit, but I, but I think no matter what, they've done a good job of getting the most of what they've got. So that's kind of where I look, although yeah. they do have better players for sure. Do you think uh, via back channels, et cetera, that Nick potentially reached out to Dave because he will know him and he just body swerved the job? Because it seems like kind of a miss in that sense. If you knew a guy, you worked with him at a spot, um, goes on to make an instant impact on a roster, which on paper is not great. Quarterback's not great, but him and uh, Mike Kafka, I think, is they brought from the Chiefs. They've done a good job there in terms of getting a, a, you know, a player who looks stagnant in the league now to be kind of a serviceable level starter. Yeah, I kind of wonder what Kafka... Uh, like what what he's going to be looked at because I think he's going to be a head coach pretty soon. Um, and I think he was a big part of Kansas City. I know they didn't, you know, he didn't get as much, you know, publicity as Eric Beanie. But um, I, some people I know that covered the Chiefs said that Kafka was like the most important assistant, and he's doing a pretty good job with the Giants. I don't know if he's really calling the plays. It might be uh, a Dable thing, although I'm not sure what the uh, what the you know dynamic is there. Um, but I, I do wonder if he's going to be, you know, someone they look at. I don't think Dable was going to take this job uh, no matter what. I think the New York job was a little bit more appealing to him. I, and I don't, I don't know what Casario – I don't know who Casario really could and couldn't have gotten last year. Could it, could it have gotten Jonathan Gannon? I don't know. I know, I know that for a while it looked like that was going to be the guy. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Dable was going. Yeah, I think if I had my time again, if I was Nick, I would have hired Leslie Fraser rather than Cully and just let him see through these two two years of shit. And then he could have had a better coaching staff, might have had a bit of development. But yeah, you know, we can't choose what's in the past. It's spilt milk at this stage. But um, we're looking forward to, uh, as I said, we're looking forward to going to Dallas, not to the football by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and then we've got KC the week after as well. Um, I don't know if there'll be a podcast next week with all the traveling and stuff but this could be an absolute gutting uh back-to-back weeks um what do you, yeah what do you think what's your what, what's your thoughts on it well that's good i mean you know you get it over with because um you know they need uh they need to get the number one pick at this point so you lose these two and then who knows what it looks like the the division games at the end of the season but um the the tie has it to where they need to uh they need to just not win three games and I, I don't see any chance in hell that they beat either one of these squads i think it's going to be relatively ugly um especially the uh the dallas game mm. um yeah i mean i don't think we're really looking for too much in this in these next yeah. two games i can't really like point to any you know, key matchup or what to watch and stuff like that. I do wonder if Davis Mills starts one of these games. Um, I think Lovey today, he seemed a little bit more open to, you know, the possibility of a new quarterback. He seems to be a little bit more harsh when he talks about Kyle Allen than he was with Davis Mills where he was overprotective. So I guess, like, it'll be interesting to see how Davis responds. I wanted to put him in in the second half of – the Cleveland game, even before the QB sneak, just because I thought it would have been interesting to see how he replied, how he responded mm-hmm. in that atmosphere, because uh, he could still be your backup quarterback, and I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think too many people would have too much of an issue with that. Um, Kyle Allen's on the one-year deal; he was terrible. I thought bringing him in in that game would have been, I thought it would have been good, man. Like I thought it would have been a good way to figure out how he responds, how the team responds, how the fans respond. Uh, it was a winnable game. 
Um, but unfortunately, they had the QB sneak with Kyle Allen, the fumble, and by then it, it really didn't matter. But I do wonder if we see him, you know, starting against Kansas City or Dallas. I, I think we do see Davis Mills again this year. I think it could be uh, a, a lot sooner than maybe you expect. Yeah, well, let's see if he bounces back. I think, you know, that was his bit, you know, arguably I've said it all year, I thought it was a bit of a romantic notion in some of the games that he played last year. There was quarters of good. Um, there's also quarters of exactly what we've seen this year as well. So it's kind of, there's not been much progression, but I don't think that's all his fault. There's a lot of unrealistic expectations, but the biggest storyline has been a failure. Um, but we'll see in the last few games. Hopefully, as you said, I just don't mess up the first overall pick because that's got the potential to, to put us on a different trajectory than we are if without it. No doubt. Yeah. 100% no doubt. Yeah. Well, it's it's not easy. Um, so if you are listening again this week or you're watching on... Uh, YouTube or anything like that. Please like and share if you, if you feel if you feel you can. Um, they will because when they get good, it's gonna it's gonna be sweet, man. Like the whole that's the good thing about you know the streaming and stuff like that is, um, you know the it's it's the most passionate, authentic portion of you know coverage. You know it's it's mm. a lot of people do it as a hobby. A lot of people start you know start out with it, and I think you know when they do get good. Um, you know, this is where this is where you build the character. This is where you build it up, and I think mm. uh, I think you guys do an excellent job of that, and all the other uh, streamers out there do too. So, yeah, and I, we'll, we'll be good. Yeah, we'll be straight. I'll never I'll never underappreciate the good times ever again. Not for a second. I know that. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, but okay. uh, those again. No, but exactly. But yeah, if you are going to Dallas this week, we've got a few people. Drop me a message. Be good to catch up with a few people. Um, have a beer. Try and forget about what's going on in the field for at least till next September, hopefully, where it starts to get better. But uh, Landry, thank you very much for your time, mate. Always very appreciative and very courteous with your time to come and join us every year so far you've been here. So thank you, mate. I appreciate it. Hey, be sure to get the nachos at Dallas. Those Super Bowl nachos are nice. Right. It's like my favorite stadium snack. I don't know. Are you are you a nacho guy? Is that kind of... Uh, so, so, I don't know. I, really I, I, well, you know, do you know, I used to be, this is why it's changed. I used to be almost, you know, I'd, I remember walking into Kansas City 2019 when we went up there and beat them. And I was almost sick with nerves. Like, you know, I felt like that's how much it meant to me at that point. And now I've become completely apathetic to the point where, you know, I never would watch Red Zone, but now I start flicking it on every so often just to see what's going on because I didn't care. But now it's just kind of entertainment value. So, yeah, I didn't really ever used to eat at these games, but I, 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 yeah, I'm going to give them a go. I'll let you know. I'll drop you a message. Yeah, check out those nachos. Go. It's very good concession stand options at Jerry World. For yeah, sure. oh, yeah. So, and I, I think that that's how how much it's changed. Twenty fourteen, I was there at this game because it only happens every eight years. And we said we'll definitely go back. I remember it was like sixty percent Texans fan. Romo's on a silent snap count. The, the, yeah. One of the best atmospheres I've ever been. A beautiful stadium where the World Cup final is going to be in four years' time. And um, and it was the spin off the what spin off is that what you're is that the one you're yeah that about? was the one yeah that was the one and do you know I actually I actually wrote a bit of or I gave some uh, to Brian T in the Chronicle about uh, wanting to watch Watsack Romo and Jerry World so I think I jinxed it um, uh-uh. um so yeah but there you go it just shows you how much it can change and that was still Foster was unbelievable that day you know Dwayne Brown was still there at left tackle so. You know, it's a long time ago, but you know, in another four years or another eight years, we'll see where we are. But hopefully, it's a lot longer than it was, though. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah well I had hair then so there you go that's what's happened then that's how long it's gone so uh, this team will this team will aid you but no um, Landry thank you mate for your time um, I'm sure it's not easy talking about this team every day but you uh, you, you do it with a smile and a bit of good humour so I appreciate you man thank you for your time yeah I appreciate you man you have a good one well, thanks everyone for listening again this week in the Turn Up For What podcast. Thanks to Landry for his time. And we'll be back maybe in a fortnight, um, maybe next week, depending on scheduled travel. But thanks again for listening. We'll speak to you.